Uh, it's a privilege to be here. And uh, just a little bit of my story. I really want to get, I feel like I've got a word tonight. We're going to see miracles happen in this place with some people. And uh, But just quickly for those that weren't here this morning, uh, I was, I was surrounded by uh, drugs growing up as a young man. All the, the peers in my life did drugs. And at the age of 12, I started to do marijuana and cigarettes, uh, excessive alcohol. At 15, I was injecting speed and taking acid and ecstasy. At 16, I took an acid trip where I overdosed and really was tormented by demons. Uh, that left me with what psychologists would have diagnosed as drug-induced psychosis, where the television would speak to me, the radio would speak to me. Uh, I was suicidal. I almost took my life at 19 years old but had an auntie that had been praying for 17 years that I would one day encounter the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, through a phone conversation with this auntie at 23 years old, uh, I had an encounter with Jesus. She helped me to pray a prayer for the first time where I invited him into my life. Uh, I started going to a church in Surface Paradise. And two weeks later, still addicted to drugs, I was praying at home and God turned up in my lounge room and he spoke to me and he said, you'll never, ever need drugs again. From that moment, never had a desire for drugs, for cigarettes, completely set free. And I just love that it's not just cliche that one word can literally change everything. One word can heal a marriage. One word can heal a body. One word can break an addiction. One word can make depression leave. One word can cause anxiety to go. And uh, I want to pray for people specifically at the end of this uh, service, but I want to talk a message tonight called Get Out of the Boat. Uh, before I do that, I do have some resource. This one here, if you weren't here this morning, this is my whole story, but really it's to give to somebody else that will relate to my story uh, of maybe suicide, addiction, mental illness. And then there's a, a download card with 14 messages. Uh, if you get a download card, you get a CD to give to someone. But get out of the boat. Everyone say, get out of the boat. <laughs> I want to talk a message called Get Out of the Boat, and really it's about living a life of faith. And Jackie and I did the greatest faith step we've ever done about two years ago. We left the Sunshine Coast to move to San Diego. I'm an itinerant that lives by faith, and we believe God that our calendar fills, and God asks us to go to a country where nobody knows who we are. And being an itinerant, you sort of need some people to know who you are so that they invite you to preach. And I would love to start with the story of that particular illustration but my faith journey in San Diego it's sort of like a cake that's not quite finished being cooked do you know what I'm saying so so next time I come I'll give you the full story because it's still part way through but if I go back about seven years ago I was a campus pastor uh, at a church here on the coast and God spoke to me and he said I want you to step away from your paid pastoral position and I want you to go on the road to wherever I call you to go I spoke to my senior pastor. We both agreed it was God. We also agreed to do, for me to do six months more uh, so that I could wait for the next guy to come so that church would be strong. And can I tell you that those six months were probably the most scary six months of my life because every night I would lay in bed and fear would literally nip at my heels. And I would think things like, here I was stepping away from this great ministry position. I was being paid pretty well and I'm stepping away from it and fear would nip at my heels and things like, well, what if nobody invites me to speak? What if I can't afford to pay the mortgage or feed the children? Uh, what if I go somewhere and preach the worst message that's ever been preached? 
and somebody puts it on Instagram, hashtag worst sermon ever, I'll be finished before I even start. And literally fear would nip at my heels. But can I tell you, the last seven years of my life have been the greatest adventure that I've ever experienced. I didn't even finish grade 10 of school. I've traveled all over the world, been to so many different countries, seen so many great things, seen more than 10,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. I've seen thousands of people set free from all kinds of incredible things. And probably my favorite story, it was a few years ago, I was at this uh, encounter freedom retreat uh, for a church in Ipswich. It was just 30 people believing for breakthrough in their life. The leaders had told me that there was this lady coming that had anxiety so bad that there was a period where she couldn't leave her home for almost the entire year. I got to meet with this lady before the retreat started and she also shared her story. She said, it's a miracle that I'm even here with the anxiety that literally grips my heart. I preached the first night and it was sort of about letting go and then I would go and personally minister, lay hands on each of the 30 people and just believe for breakthrough. I went to her first because I'd already knew her story. So I thought, this is easy. I know what her problem is. It's anxiety. So I'm going to pray for anxiety to go. And as I was walking toward, I'll never forget it. I'm walking up, ready to pray for anxiety to leave. And as I'm walking towards, I hear the Spirit of God speak to me and say, Lucas, anxiety is not the problem. It's what her dad did to her when she was a little girl. And now my heart is beating out of my chest because what if I'm wrong? And she's there with her eyes closed in worship. And I say to her, I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me that anxiety is not your problem, but it's what your dad did to you when you're a little girl. And as soon as I said those words, she began to weep uncontrollably. I then saw so clearly this picture of God the Father. And he was holding her as she wept. And he was holding her head against his chest as she wept on his chest. I shared this picture with her and now she begins to weep even more uncontrollably. Eventually some other ladies came and continued to minister and I moved on and prayed for the other people that were in the room. At the end of the night, we're sitting around, we're having supper, we're having hot chocolate and biscuits and go bickies. They're not cookies, they're bickies. Anyway, and so she comes and sits across from me and she says, Lucas, when I was a little girl, when I was two years old, my mother abandoned us she left us to live with my stepdad he sexually abused me my entire childhood she looked across from me and she said i've been in and out of church and i've believed in god for a long time and i'd go to church when i could work up the courage she said the thing i could never grasp is whenever they talked about god as a loving father i could never see it she looked across from me and a tear started to roll down her cheek and she says lucas tonight i saw him as my loving father from that moment, she was completely set free from her anxiety. She goes to a church. She's not just on the welcome team at, at her church. She now runs the welcome team at her church. I get to watch through Facebook and she's at children's birthday parties and living life to the full. And I can't help but think, imagine if I'd never went. Imagine if I had allowed fear to stop me from doing the thing God had called me to do. I mean, I could have justified it because I was already doing something for God. But imagine the adventure that I would have missed out on. But not just that, imagine the people that would have missed out on the thing that God had put in me, but it was actually for them. And when I think like this, I'm sure it'll be true for you that often 
whenever you go into seasons of incredible fruitfulness, you can often trace that season back to a risk. You can trace it back to a step of faith, a, a moment where you did something you wouldn't normally do. Maybe it was to buy a house. Maybe it was to start a ministry. Maybe it was to get involved in a ministry. Maybe it was go back to university or change careers. Maybe it was finally to ask her out. Hello, that could be a word for someone right there. <coughs> We're pointing at people right now. Someone down the front. Yes, you. I feel the Spirit of God. No, no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <coughs> But, but so often you can trace back fruitfulness to when you did something that was a risk, a step of faith. You know, the story of Peter in the boat, we're going to look at it in a little moment. But, but most of you will know the story where they see Jesus walking on water. They're all afraid because they think he's a ghost. Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, call me to come. And Jesus says, come. And Peter walks on water, the first fully man to ever walk on water. Eventually, he looks away from Jesus and looks at the circumstances and he begins to sink. But Jesus immediately grabs him and puts him back on the boat and they all worship together. I want to, you know, when God gave me this particular message, he actually gave me, this doesn't normally happen, but he gave me a prophetic sentence, a sentence just burned in my heart that literally built this whole message. He also gave me a prophetic picture, which I'll share a little bit later. <laughs> but the sentence is this, that most water walking experiences will eventually become your boat. Most water walking experiences will eventually become your boat. What do I mean? What starts off as a water walking experience? Well, I've never started a business or I've never uh, bought a house or I've never been married or I've never been involved in a ministry. When you first step out, you, you're like, well, I don't know how to do this. But eventually, because we're called to go from faith to faith, that thing that was a faith step will actually become your place of comfort, safety. It'll become your boat. But then God has another step for you. He doesn't just, we don't just take one step of faith. We live our whole lives getting out of the boat, taking another step and another step and another step. You know, I want to ask this question. I want to see there were 12 disciples in the boat. 12 leaders, 12 men of faith, all of them had left their vocation to follow Jesus. 12 men that loved Jesus, let's just pretend Judas did, just for the sermon's sake. 12 men that loved Jesus, 12 leaders, 12 men of faith. My question is this, why was it that only one hopped out of the boat? What was it that caused the 12 Christian leader men of faith to remain in the boat? And I want to answer that question, but before I do, I want to make some observations, and I want to do something that they would never teach you to do at Bible college. I want to do the, the text backwards. Is that okay? So we're going to start at the end of the story, and we're going to go backwards. <coughs> and we're going to eventually answer the question, but let me make some observations along the way. Matthew 14, verse 32 and 33. Now remember, we're at the end of the story. Peter has already sunk. It says that when they climbed into the boat, because he sunk, when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Next verse. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Just an observation. Every single time a believer steps out of the boat and walks on water, it always results in other people worshipping Jesus and declaring, truly, you are the son of God. 
See, we need a church that isn't just good at singing about all that Jesus can do. We need a church that would show the Sunshine Coast, have a look at my life, look at my business, look at my family, look at my finance. I'll show you what Jesus can And it always results in other people worshipping Jesus and declaring truly he is the Son of God. Verse 30 and 31. It says, but when he, so he's already out of the boat. It says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. I love this next word. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You a little faith. He said, why did you doubt? I love that this is included because who knows that in today's age, this would not have been on Peter's Insta feed. We would not have seen him putting the, 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 the moment where he is sinking. We would have seen the moments where he was out of the boat on water. We would have saw the selfie with Jesus in the background. Hashtag who needs a surfboard. I'm stuck. I thought I was stuck. Has that ever happened before? It's like I just, I have to stay here the whole night. All right. Now I've got to do up my shoelace because everyone with OCD won't be able to concentrate on my message. Let's just... Oh, what a servant. I'm so glad, thank you. I'm so glad that this is included because it wouldn't have been in today's time, but I'm glad it's included because what it tells me is you don't have to be perfect to do something awesome for Jesus. That you can have moments where you mess up, where you take your eyes off Jesus, and we don't serve a God that says, all right, now I'm going to teach you a lesson. We serve a God that says immediately he grabbed Peter and he put him back on the boat. I'm so glad it's included. Verse 29. It says here, come, he said. Peter got down to the boat and he walked on water. You might have heard a message where people preach that the reason Peter was able to walk on water because of the words of Christ. Because he had the Rima word, the spoken word, God said, come. And therefore, Peter was able to do the impossible. And the reality is, if you're going to do the impossible, there's got to be a moment of intimacy where you hear him speak. See, I couldn't have just sat down and strategized and thought, let's go to America where nobody knows who I am and hope that it all works out. It came out of a moment of worship where I heard Jesus whisper, Lucas, I'm calling you to the United States of America. I'm going to come back to that point in a moment. But let's answer the question. What was it about the one? It's in verse 28. It says, Lord, it's at the beginning. They've seen Jesus. Lord, if it's you, Peter cried, call me to come to you on the water. The reality is the reason Peter stepped out of the boat and the other 11 didn't is because Peter was the only one that had a spirit that said, call me to come. He was the only one that had an adventurous, faith-filled spirit that cried out, Jesus, I don't want to just do normal. I don't want to just do average. I want to do something supernatural. I want to do something that I couldn't do in my own strength. He was the only one that had a spirit that said, call me to come. See, I don't believe that Peter walked on water because of predestination. In other words, if Andrew had have got in first and said, Jesus, call me to come. Jesus wasn't going to say, I'm sorry, brother Andrew, but it is Peter's destiny to walk on water. See, I actually believe they could have been the first ever Jewish Olympian synchronized water walking team. 
All 12 of them could have joined arms and said, come on, let's do this together. But only one had a spirit that said, call me to come. There was that one Christian that just cried out, come on, Jesus, call me to come. See, here's the deal. Remember I said, you can't walk on water unless you have a word of Jesus saying, come. But there's a lot of Christians that have lived their whole life in the boat and it's Jesus's fault because he never said come I can't control whether or not he says come that's his prerogative he is God but what I can control is whether I keep a spirit that says call me to come whether I keep a spirit that stays adventurous whether I keep a spirit that wants to keep stepping out of the boat because when you have a spirit that says call me to come more often than not you'll hear the words come let, let me make it really practical We've got our incredible gala dinner in a couple of weeks' time. And it's about expanding and taking ground in this city. I'm not saying something to you that I haven't lived myself. We're about to give in our C3 offering. Or we're about to give the biggest offering we've ever given in our lives. But if you went away and started praying and said, God, I want to give something that I've never done before. God, I want to give something that scares me a little bit. If you pray a prayer like that, you know what you'll hear? come but normally we don't hear the come because we don't pray that kind of prayer see there's a lot of people that are living in the comfort of the boat and it's Jesus's fault because he never said come but God wants you to have a spirit that says call me to come and you'll keep hearing the words of Christ saying come on come on come again I want to quickly give you three things I'm going to do this really quick three things three things that keep us in the boat the first one is this it's the comfort of the boat the comfort of the boat see when you're out in the ocean you're in a boat I'm pretty happy for those wooden sturdy decks uh, I'm pretty happy they make me feel safe and comfortable you know when God gave me this picture this this word picture he showed me that when you step out of a boat you step out and then it's a water walking experience you took a step of faith but eventually because of your step of faith a new boat is formed and in the picture God showed me that most times the next boat because of the step of faith is a little better there's a little bit more influence there's a little bit more favor there's a little bit more blessing there's a little bit more fruits but the danger in that can become that as we keep stepping out and get to a certain age in life where the boat is so nice and comfortable that I don't want to step out again when we were youth pastors a very long time ago we were both working God told us to quit our jobs the church was paying us $50 a week we lived on $50 a week for 12 months which we tithed on every single week we just believed God and that year we were given about $35,000 of unexpected finances that just kept coming the whole year and people say well you're an incredible person of faith but let's just get real for a moment we didn't have children. We were living in a rental, so it was someone else's house. We drove a car that was an absolute bomb. So yes, we took a step of faith, but what was the worst that was gonna happen? We'd go back to the same life we'd always had. You get what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to say is, the boat we were stepping from, it was like a rowboat. It was a tinny. It didn't even have a motor. So yes, it was a step of faith, but there wasn't a whole lot to lose. When God spoke to me about moving 
to America. I'd been traveling full-time for five years. My calendar was booked a year in advance. I was earning more money than I've ever earned in my life. I was living 12 minutes from Malulabar Beach. Everybody, a lot of people in this nation knew who I was. I, I traveled all over the world. And then when God says, go to America, it was the first time in my life where I was like, but I like this boat. I'd like to stay here. And I tell you, it was a temptation for the first time. But you know what? I refuse to live like that because God's got another boat. God's got more favor. God's got more blessing. God's got more influence. But it's on the other side of my step of faith. Comfort keeps us in the boat. I'm going to do this one really quick because I want to park on the last one. The last one is this. The second one is this. They watch their leader with a spectator kept in the boat. They watch their leader with a spectator mentality. See, the 11 were sitting there watching Jesus, and they're like, wow, like, Andrew, did you know he could do this? Seriously, John, have you ever, like, this is, look, we're watching Jesus walk on water. This is amazing. I can't believe we get to watch. But Peter wasn't watching as a spectator. He's watching as a participant. Hang on a second. My leader can walk on water. Why can't I walk on water? If I just do the things that he's telling me to do, if I put into place the principles that he's put in place in his life, then why can't I walk on water too? See, there's a scripture in Hebrews that said there is a great cloud of witnesses, spectators, that are watching us. They're the men and women of faith that have already gone to heaven. And they're watching you and I run our race. See, the only time you're called to be a spectator is when you have breathed your very last breath and you're in heaven with Jesus. If you've still got breath in your lungs, you are not a spectator, but you are in this race of faith and God has called you to step out of the boat. Just if the keyboarder could come, the last thing, and this is the biggest one, I'm going to pray into it, is the thing that keeps most of us in the boat, me included, is fear. I actually believe fear would be the greatest enemy of the believer, the greatest enemy of the church. See, everyone in this room would most probably say, I've got a spirit that says, call me to come. Because we're not going to say the opposite. Do you know what I mean? We all want to think that we've got this adventurous, faith-filled spirit. You know how I could assess really quickly, and I won't do it, but if I wanted to find out if you have a spirit that says, call me to come, is by looking at the prayers that you pray. See, if you're just praying safe prayers, and there's nothing wrong with these prayers, but they're all the ones where you're asking God to do everything for you. God, I love a house. God, I love a car. God, I love a part. Nothing wrong with those prayers. They're good prayers. But I wonder if there's any dangerous prayers that you're praying like, God, use me to tell everyone about Jesus at my workplace. God, use me to, to, what do we call it? A vision uh, seeker, is it called? What was the last one? God, God, I'm not there yet, but use me to be the, that, that top one, God. Use me to do that, God. I, I know I'm not there yet, but use me to do it. God, use me to be the answer to that family that can't afford groceries. I wonder if you pray any crazy prayers, because remember, I can't determine whether or not he says come, but I can determine whether or not I have a spirit that says call me to come. And when fear rules in your life, you'll never ever pray dangerous prayers. You'll only pray safe prayers. See, how was Peter different? See, the Bible says, we didn't read it, but at the start of the story, they saw Jesus as a ghost, and it says they were all afraid. It doesn't say the 11 were afraid, but Peter was a man of faith. See, there's nothing wrong with experiencing fear. It's part of our humanity. It's only wrong when we act out of fear. 
but they were all afraid, including Peter. So at the start of the story, they're all afraid. Fast forward to the moment that Peter hops out of the boat. He's walking on water. What happens? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. How was Peter different? Well, I can read between the lines. There was a moment between being afraid and the end of the story where Peter had a moment where he locked eyes with the King of Kings. He locked eyes with the great I am. He locked eyes with the Word of God. He locked eyes with Jesus, the Christ. See, the way that you deal with fear is you've got to lock eyes with Jesus. Can I tell you, hand on heart, being a Christian, I think it's, it was 1999, so almost 19 years. But the last two years of living in America, I've never, ever prayed more than I've prayed in the last two years. Same with my wife. And I would love to say it's because I'm this spiritual giant that loves prayer. But I've got to be honest. I'm so far out of the boat that if I don't keep locking eyes with Jesus, I'm going to drown in discouragement. I'm going to drown in lack. I'm going to, I have to keep just waking up every morning and looking at him and saying, hey, Jesus, remember you were the one that said I should move to America. You're the one that provides for my family. You're the one that opens doors. You're the one that does what I can't do by myself. See, the way you deal with fear is you've got to lock eyes with Jesus. Last story. And then we're going to pray. I remember it was a while ago when we were probably two, three years into itinerary. I've been doing it for seven years. And in the first couple of years, my wife was a relief teacher here on the coast. And being a relief teacher, you can earn pretty good money. You earn about 300, 350 a day. And I had this issue where I'd put a lot of pressure on Jackie to get a lot of work. And I'd always be like, have you rung enough principles? Have you tried enough? And And even when I was doing it, I knew that it was out of fear. But I did it anyway and never admitted it because I'm a man. (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) It's true. All right. There's nothing wrong with two people working, but for me, traveling all over the world, her working was the one thing at that time that sort of just put us out of balance. I'll go away for 14 days at a time, come home for three days, be away for two, come home for three, be away for four. And one day we were sitting down, we were watching a series by Robert Morris on giving called the Blessed Life Series. Probably one of the greatest revelations on giving in the world, besides Pastor Phil Pringle. And so we're watching this video and the whole thing's about giving and generosity. Think about that for a moment. You only watch a series like that at home if you've got a spirit that says, call me to come. I know what happens at the end of the video. There's not like this, this, this massive twist and then he says, keep all your money. I know what happens at the end. I know where we're going. He talks about generosity. He talks about the... The, the tithe, which belongs to God. We've done that for a long time, the first 10%. He talks about over and above, which, you know, you're giving an offering to, to bless someone. You take someone out to dinner. You have a sponsor child over and above. And then he gets to the third time that you just do every now and again, like we're going to do in a couple of weeks. Extravagant giving. The best example of it in the Bible is when the lady, she brings a year's wages worth of perfume just to anoint Jesus for burial. 
in today's uh, currency, that's fifty to $100,000, one lot of perfume just to anoint him for burial. That's extravagant. You know who got upset? Judas. Don't get upset when people talk about offerings because you're in the wrong company. You know, they've been getting upset about offerings since the very first family. Cain killed Abel over an offering. He gets to this moment where it's extravagant. My wife and I look at each other and we swallow hard. And we're like, here we go again. He said, let's pray and see what God will have us do. And in my mind, I said, God, let, let Jackie be the one that says what we should do. Because normally it was me at that point. Now it's just gone well beyond that. Now she's always the crazy one telling. Anyway. And as I said in my head, let her be the one because it's normally me. She pipes up and says, God's already told me what to do. In my mind, completely out of pride, I never said it out loud because I'm smart. I said, God, she'd never do as much as me. And she turns to me, she's earning about seven, $800 a week. She says to me, God told me to give my whole year wages to help rescue sex slaves. I said, get behind me, Satan. That is from the devil. <laughs> it's the true man of faith. I said, I need to pray about that. I was doing a fast the next day for three days. And whenever I fast, I try and pray three times a day. And whenever I pray, I always pray for brokenness because it's what I feel called to minister to. And so that day one, I do my first, second, third, I'm praying for brokenness day. Uh, after, after day one, I went to her and I said, well, I don't feel like it's your whole year's wages. We'll give one day a week, you know, 350 bucks every single week. She's like, whatever you reckon. I get to day two and I'm praying, prayer meeting four, five, six. It normally gets hotter and hotter. God, God, please use me. To, to rescue people, to help people that are broken, that are addicted, that are trapped, that are mentally ill. Father, please grace me for it. I get to day three and it's prayer meeting seven, eight, and then by nine, I'm in my lounge room and I'm literally weeping. And I'm like, Father, please, God use me to, to help people that are trapped and broken and in prison and, and I'm weeping for brokenness and, and then I'm crying and, and as I'm crying for brokenness, it's like I realize here I am praying for brokenness and my wife wants to give her whole year wages to help the most broken of all people. And now I don't know if I'm crying because of brokenness or crying because we're going to have to give the whole year wages away. I went back to Jackie and I said, are you all right? It was term two. That term, every single money she earned, about $800 a week. We tithed on it because we gave to the house where we get fed. And then the other 90% we gave to an agency that was helping rescue sex slaves. We did it every week for 10 weeks. It got to term three and week one and week two of school, we went on our, Jackie's first big overseas trip. We went to Europe, London and, and Paris. For three weeks we were there and we came back week four and with relief teaching, if you don't keep saying yes, they go to the next person on the list. And it got back in week four because she wasn't there for those first three weeks. Nobody rang. Then week five, week six, week seven, week eight, nobody rang. Week nine. Week nine, I said to her, I said, you haven't worked for the whole term. And it was like in that moment, I just knew for what we're called to do, you're actually not meant to work. You know, from the moment we decided to give the year's wages, what I was earning went up more than the amount that Jackie was earning, and I didn't change one thing. See, it didn't make sense rationally, but it was a step of faith 
that on the other side of that step, God had a bigger boat. God had more favor. God had more blessing. See, there's a lot of people that are fearful, but we use wisdom as the excuse. We should have wisdom. But don't let it be fear. Because God's got another boat for you, but it's on the other side of your step. I want to pray. I'm going to ask everyone to stand on their feet. I want to pray into something right now. And I imagine it'll be every person in the room to start with. But if you're in this place today and you know that fear at times stops you from stepping out of the boat, I want to pray for you. And we're going to pray against the spirit of fear. And then in a moment, because we pray against the spirit of fear, we're going to have a moment together with God the Father. And we're all going to personally ask Him, God, what's my next step? See, the thing about a next step is I don't have to follow the person next to me's next step. I just have to do my next step. Because we're all at different levels, seasons and So right now, if you know that there's times where fear stops you from stepping out, lift your hands to heaven. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, just about every person. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, I rebuke the spirit of fear in this place. The spirit of fear that really is demonic, that has an assignment to stop believers from stepping out and walking on water. That spirit of fear, I speak to you in the name of Jesus Christ and I command you to get off every child of God. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that perfect love casts out fear, that you are a father that loves, that you love us so much, Father. God, I thank you and I break the power right now of fear in every single person's life. And I pray that faith would start to rise right now. Faith for the future. Faith for finance. Faith for for souls. Faith for fruitfulness, God. I pray right now that faith would begin to rise. You know, there's someone here right now keep your hands raised but there's someone here right now and I heard this great statement from a preacher and he said this second chance doesn't mean second place and I love it because that's how we think yeah God gives a second chance but now you've got to take second place but God is so good that he can give second chance, third chance, fourth chance, tenth chance, and still enable you to finish first. Because there's someone here, and because of the mistakes that you've made, it has formed the belief you have for the future. But you have formed a second place kind of future. And God wants you to know right now, yeah, you messed up, but he already knew you were going to mess up, and he's still going to cause you to finish in first place. In a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to ask God. He's going to speak to you, I promise. He's going to speak. Or I believe He is. He's going to speak in your heart about your next step. But before I do that, I want to open the altar. The reality is all of us lifted our hands because we all experience fear. It's part of being a human. But there's some people in this room right now and you have debilitating fear. 
you have fear that really, really stops you. Maybe it's major anxiety, major fear. And it might be a big deal for you to come and stand at the front, but I want you to be brave. Because I really believe, I've seen a lot of people get free of this stuff. And I really want to believe that tonight, just like I had a moment that changed everything, I'm believing there's a whole heap of people. See, a lot of people that have to control everything, that's fear. But if you know that fear is a major thing in your life, whether it is fear, anxiety, I want you to make your way to the front right now. And I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to see the power of God move. Yeah, quickly come. There's people coming right now. Quickly come. Come on, quickly come. We're going to believe God. If you're in the crowd, would you reach out your hands to these beautiful people that just need a miracle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to come and stand behind me. I tell you, the power of God's here right now. I tell you, young lady, I tell you right now, that spirit of fear is no more. No more. No more. Be free. Be free. I take authority. I take authority. Just, 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 I'm sorry. Can we just say, I want you guys to reach out your hands. And, and just, just for four or five minutes, is that okay? I want you to join your faith with mine. Because I just feel the Spirit of God here right now. Be free right now, young lady. Be free. Be free. Be free. I, I see that there was a trauma or something that happened in your life. And it was at that moment that fear entered your heart. And now I speak to that moment in the name of Jesus. And I speak to that spirit of fear. And I say your time is up in this young lady's life. I declare that you are a woman of faith. I declare you are mighty. That you are powerful. That you are a giant killer. That you are more than a conqueror. And I break the spirit of fear. There it is. Be free. Whoa. Be free. Be free. Come on, lift your hands to heaven, Father, for your precious daughter, for your precious daughter right now. Right now, I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. There it is. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Be free. Let faith rise. There it is. Let faith rise. Let faith rise. Let faith rise. Let faith rise. I see faith rising. Come on. I see faith rising. I see faith rising. I break the power of fear of the future. It's like the enemy has had an agenda to try and paint a picture in your heart of your future. But I tell you, it's a lie from the pit of hell. I tell you, it's a lie from the pit of hell. God has your future sorted. God has the whole thing worked out. There is no need to be afraid. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, for every person right now, God, I break the power of fear and anxiety. I command you, go in the name of Jesus. There it is. There it is. No more anxiety. No more anxiety. No more anxiety. No more, no more, no more, no more anxiety. I break your power in the name of Jesus. There it is. There it is. There it is it's broken it's broken it's broken there it is the love of the father the love of the father perfect love casts out fear 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 perfect love holy ghost in the name of jesus in the name of jesus come on every person that's at the front just lift your hands to god i'm going to quickly go through i'm going to touch you but just let God touch you right now. Just let him minister. There it is, power of God. There it is, freedom. It's yours. It's yours. 
It's yours. God's giving it to you right now. I'm telling you, God is giving it to you right now. There it is. There it is. Oh, there it is. That's freedom. There it is. That's freedom right now. Freedom. Those tears are tears of freedom. Hey, there it is. Touch, touch, touch. Freedom, 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 touch, touch. We break the spirit of fear. We break the spirit of fear. God, we break the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. There it is, young lady. There it is, young lady. No more. No more. No more. No more. No more. No more. Holy Ghost. There it is. 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 Chains are being broken right now. Hey! Chains are being broken. Chains are being broken. Chains. There it is. There it is. Chains are being broken. Chains. Right now, they're being broken. I'm telling you, they're broken. They're broken. Holy Ghost. Touch. Touch. Come on. Touch. 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 No more fear. 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 No more. No more. Touch. 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 Spirit of God. Breathe. There it is. There it is. Touch. There it is. Touch. Holy Ghost. Touch. 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 Ho! 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 Free! 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 Free, man! Free! 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 Freedom! 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 Freedom!
No more fear. No more fear. No more. No more, man. No more. No more. You're free. You're free. You're free. Your fear is attached to the mistakes that you've made. But God says, I don't hold your mistakes against you. Fear not. Fear not. Awesome. If you're at the front, just stay where you are. I'm going to do two quick things and then we're done. Right now, stay at the front, right where you are. Just every person, just put your hands like this. Just ready to receive. See, we've prayed against that spirit of fear. You know, the Bible calls it a spirit of fear. I'm a spirit and I'm a person. A spirit of fear is also a person or a demon that has an agenda to cause you not to walk out in the things God's called you to walk in. So we've spoken and prayed against the spirit of fear. So right now, with your eyes closed and your hands like this, ready to receive, I want you to say in your heart right now, you can say it in your own words, but I want you to say, God, what's my next step? Just close your eyes. God, what's my next step? For some of you, it's connected to the building offering. For some of you, it's to get baptized. For some of you, it's to start a business. What I'm trying to say is there's no right or wrong. It's just, God, what's my next step? What's my next step of faith, Father? Maybe it's to get involved in a ministry that you're not involved in. Maybe it's to go back to university. There's no right or wrong. You know, the the greatest way, and I'll probably never get to physically see it, but the the most fruitful thing about this particular message I preach tonight is not what happened here. It's us as individuals hearing God, what's my next step? And then us obeying the next step. And then it causes a whole heap of people to worship Jesus and declare truly you are the son of God so father I pray right now with faith rising in this place for every person that you would speak to every single individual right now just that soft sweet whisper that's full of peace yes it might cause me to swallow hard yes it might freak me out in a sense a little but God would you speak to every single person in this room right now about their next step Holy Ghost Holy Ghost Holy Ghost Holy Ghost Holy Ghost Holy Ghost I I forget your name what's your name Jackson yeah come here I want to pray for you Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your son, Jackson. You know, I I know you already talked to me a bit about at lunchtime today, but I just feel in my spirit, get ready for an adventure. That's what God says. And and a lot of it, I see this picture of this this adventure. You're not going to know all the details. I see God like just leading you and he's just going to lead you. But it's like, it's like I see, you know, this, this track sort of in the wilderness, you know, just, just going on this mountain trek. But it represents an adventure. 
but you're not going to fully know where you're going. But God just says, trust me, because I really believe that the adventure that you're about to go on is going to form who you are as a person and take you to where God's called you to be. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your son. God, take him by the hand. Thank you for the incredible plans that you have for him. Thank you for faith, God. I pray for a gift of faith to rise up on the inside like never before. And I thank you for the adventure that is ahead. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. With every person where you are, one last thing and then I'm done. Sorry we went a few minutes over. But if you're in this place tonight and you don't yet know Jesus in a personal way, I don't need to be a prophet to let you know that your next step is to give your life to Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or you have at one time, but you know in your heart of hearts you're just not right with God, then your next step, your first step, is to surrender your life to Jesus. I'm not going to bring you out the front, but I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And if you're in this place, you might even be at the altar and you're just not right with God. And you'd say, Lucas, could you include me in your prayer? I want to take the step of faith and start a relationship with God. If that's you, then when I get to three, you'll lift your hand. I'll see it. You put it down and I'll include you in the prayer that I'm about to pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. One, friend, he loves you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Two, it does not matter what you've done, where you've been, or who you are. You're God's precious son or precious daughter. Three all over this place. Come on, lift your hand to heaven right now. Yeah, see your hand there. I see your hand there. I see your hand there. Come on, someone else. I see your hand over here. Come on, someone else. Just saying yes. Yeah, I see your hand at the back. So good. Someone else. So proud of you. Come on, someone else. Don't let fear stop you. I see your hand, young lady. Good on you. Come on, someone else. Come on, someone else. Come on, Father, He loves you so much. Come on, is there someone else? Five people already, is there someone else? All right, here's what I want to do. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I don't want to miss one person in my prayer. So if you lifted your hand one more time, just show me nice and high. If you're giving your life to Jesus tonight, there was five or so people. Lift your hand if you did that. I see the lady at the back, lady here, lady over here, lady down the front, lady here, person here. I think there was one more over here. So proud of you. Here's what we're going to do with those six or seven people. I'm going to help you pray a simple prayer, but I want you to mean it with all your heart. You can put your hand down. I want you to mean these words with all your heart, but as a church family, we're going to pray the prayer with you because we're going to celebrate this awesome moment. Say, Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Thank you that you forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Tonight, I give you my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's give them all a big round of applause. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.